0: First, I just want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. I hope you had a blessed time with family and friends this past weekend. Just some things that have been on my heart that I've been thankful for. For those who don't know me, my name is Steve. I'm the pastor here, and I'm so thankful for Meadowland Church for you guys. We just wrapped up this generosity series called "The Generous Life," and I'm just so thankful, city of Meadowland Church. Uh, We had all these different projects we were working on, from uh, trying to be generous with our time and and serving uh, on a global scale. We we served at Feed My Starving Children, a great organization that tries to bring food to the hungriest of of children in our world. Uh, We had a chance to do a supply drive last week. Uh, I want to pass on a thank you from First Way uh, Pregnancy Services. Uh, they're an organization that is on the front lines of, of really trying to walk alongside uh, ladies who find themselves pregnant, and, and they see it as a crisis pregnancy, and they really uh, try to help them take the crisis out of it and, and walk with them, and uh, so we brought them some wipes and some supplies, and they were just very thankful for that, and so thank you, Meadowland, for uh, being a, a generous church. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this, depending on how long you've been coming to Meadowland, you may or may not know who Adam and Audrey Reardon are, uh, but we sent them out a little over a year ago to go plant Redemption Church out in Belvedere, Illinois. Uh, We are a church that believes uh, in multiplying ourselves and seeing other churches planted um, in our surrounding communities and and worldwide. And uh, We want to be a part of that, however God enables us and trying to find different ways that we can partner with what God is doing um, in in any community uh, to see more churches there uh, that are proclaiming the message of Jesus. And so for the past year, we've been helping support Redemption Church, and uh, Adam had sent us a thank you, and so I just want to place a quick thank you from Adam at Redemption Church.
1: Hello, it's me. Whoa, whoops, sorry, wrong video. Whoa, sorry about that. That could have got awkward quick. Hey, Meadowland Church, this is Adam coming to you via video from Belvedere, Illinois. Hey, I hope you had an incredible Thanksgiving. You know, usually when we shoot these little update videos that we send out to people, we'll talk about what I call the essential four things every church plant needs. We'll ask people to pray for us. Uh, We'll talk about the fact that we need people to surround us, to help us accomplish the gospel-centered work that God's called us to uh, here in Belvedere. Uh, We'll talk about finances, that every church plant is like a college student. We're always hungry and we need more money. And so uh, we'll also talk about stuff. The reality is that you need certain equipment and things to do ministry. Uh, However, I don't want to talk about any of those things this morning. What I'd rather do is just let you know that we love you guys. And we're so thankful for you. Uh, For all the reasons I have to be thankful, for all the things on my list that I have to be thankful for, I wanted to let you know that you're one of those things. I want to thank you for the love that you've shown us, for the support that you've shown us, for the way you financially helped us and carried us as we've uh, planted Redemption Church here in Belvedere. I I just wanted you to know that you're loved, and that we're thinking about you, and that we're praying for you, and that we care about you guys. And so... I just wanted you to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. I wanted you to know that you're on our list of things to be thankful for, that we love you guys, and I hope that you are all blessed. I look forward to hear more about what God is doing in you and through you and all throughout McHenry County because you hear the word and do the word. I hope you have a great Sunday. God bless you.
0: We haven't uh, given an update in a while in Redemption Church, and so we just want to share that video. We thank Adam for putting that together for us. Uh, love the Adele intro. Um, may have caught you off guard there a little bit. Um, no, we're really thankful for what they're doing out in Belvedere. Um, there's a, a parable that Jesus shares about the soils and how... Uh, the farmer throws seed, and there's different kinds of soils that the seed can fall on. And some soil is, is really fertile, and, and plants you know, grow strong and uh, uh, well. And then you have those different types of soil. One type is a hard soil, where it's really a challenge to get anything to grow there. And sometimes when we go out uh, into new communities that, to share the gospel, uh, God calls people to go out into some hard soil. Um, and so we've kind of got the impression from from updates we've received from Adam that Belvedere is one of those areas where uh, it's kind of a slugfest and uh, they're continuing the good fight and they're going to continue uh, to try to reach people with the message of Jesus Uh, a few weeks ago they had three people gave their life to Christ for the very first time and so God is using them, some awesome things going on, they were excited about that so thank you Meadowland for your continued support here and knowing that a portion of uh, what comes in here is sent out to see other churches started and supported uh, to see the gospel go beyond these four walls and to go beyond our lives uh, but to go uh, beyond the lives of of others that we have uh, entrusted with some of those funds Uh, one last update on the the projects that we did with our generous life series Uh, one that uh, is in the works right now is our loft project Um, we've been Planning to replace that front railing with, with the glass and steel panels uh, so that you can actually see through them. Because right now, it, it's a, all I see are bodies with no heads because the heads are blocked by the beam and they kind of see the same thing of me for all those who are up in the loft. And so, again, thank you for those who have continued to sit up there. Maybe it's by choice, I'm not sure, uh, but we know it's, it's not the best right now and we're taking steps to correct that. And so, we've been trying to raise $5,000 uh, to replace that railing, to repl- get some updated seating. Uh, as well as some um, updated flooring. Uh, we are currently at $1750, um, which is pretty awesome in that that will fully fund the railing. Uh, we would like to see that the rest of those projects uh, are fully funded. And so today is the last day that we are collecting for that. If you have been planning to give to the loft project, uh, there's an envelope in the seat in front of you. you can just uh, mark what portion of, of um, any funds in there are going to the loft and then we will account for that. Um, If we do break the 5,000, any additional funds, we'll go to uh, continuing to maximize the available seating here in the sanctuary and and maximize the space for our children's ministry uh, as we just really enjoyed uh, being able to be together as one service, uh, a step we made this past summer. Well, for those uh, who were here last year, um, I I owe you an apology. Uh, As I look back over the last December, the last Christmas celebration, I feel in hindsight that I did a disservice meadowland uh we had a a series that went up to just before uh christmas and then we had a sunday before christmas eve and then a sunday after a real quick brief series and then we're on to something else so kind of this we had had this no build up to christmas hey it's christmas and now we're on to something else and and while there's nothing sinful in that um i felt like our christmas celebration last year was more of a speed bump than it was a, a journeying together with one another with remembering what the season was about. And I, as I look back on that, I'm like, I feel like we really missed an opportunity. And, and so, as your, your leader and, and, and the series that we're doing and, and kind of the steps we're taking, I, I apologize uh, for that. And we, we've corrected some of that this year. Um, and, and while there is no biblical command to celebrate Christmas, uh, there is some wisdom behind it. Uh, There's a wisdom in celebrating who Jesus is and and the miracle of his birth and and what it means for us as his people. Uh, There's obedience in a proclamation of Jesus, right? As followers of of his, we proclaim that he is God and that he lives. And we have an opportunity to do both that, to celebrate Jesus and to proclaim Jesus in our culture in this season of Christmas. And so let's take advantage of that opportunity because this this is a point in the lives of your family members, in the lives of your neighbors, in the lives of your coworkers, of those who don't know Jesus. This is a point in their life, a season of our culture, of our society, where hearts kind of get softened a little bit. People are maybe a little more willing to have spiritual conversations. Uh, there's more opportunities to bring up those. Uh, you walk into Walmart, you see the bell ringers. Uh, hey, you know, what do you think about those guys out there ringing bells? What do you think about the work they do? You have opportunities to have some conversations with family and friends and those uh, that you're trying to share Jesus with. And so it's a season that we can take this opportunity to both celebrate and proclaim Jesus. And so we are going to do just that here in Meadowland. And this year we're going to do that uh, through something called Advent. Uh, you may or may not be familiar with Advent. Don't worry if you've never heard it before. I'm going to explain what it is. Um, and if you've heard it before but aren't really sure, you can pretend that you knew and just tell the person, that, oh, I knew that. That's fine. Uh, I give you the permission to do that. So Advent comes from a Latin term. and It basically means a coming or arrival. I love that kind of has uh, that, that that kind of this expectancy, but also and they're here because it basically celebrates the fact that Christ has come and that he's coming again. And so there really is a twofold aspect here. Advent typically begins uh, four Sundays before Christmas. And so this is the first week of Advent and it typically ends on Christmas Eve Eve. Uh, Every church, every denomination that, that chooses to celebrate the season of Advent, they have different traditions, different backgrounds. So they all might be a little bit different. But during this season, we do a couple things. First is we remember. We remember the, the suffering, the longing, the anticipation of Israel for a Savior. The people of God who, who had gone through all kinds of different turmoil and, and suffering, and they would had these prophecies that a Savior would come to rescue the people of God. We remember that. And we rejoice over the arrival of Jesus, the Savior, who brings forgiveness from sin. When Jesus first came on the scene, uh, the, the, the Jews had expected, people of God, had expected him to be this military leader who would overthrow the Romans who were in charge at that point in time. But instead, he saw a more significant need, a need to be saved from their sin, a save to be saved from their uh, ways they've gone against God to be made right with God through the sacrifice of Jesus. So we can remember Israel. We can rejoice uh, with Jesus, that his arrival, and the salvation that comes in trusting in him. But we can also refocus our attention on his return, that he's promised to come again to finish his work of salvation. And like Christmas, there is no command to celebrate Advent. This isn't a sin issue. It's not a, do I have to? It's, would you like to? Think, think of it this way. Think of Advent as a toolbox, okay? And, and in this toolbox of Advent are some different tools. Does anybody have a drill, cordless drill, corded drill? Maybe a screwdriver even works. We could all go home, find something that could get a screw in or out of the wall, and if we all brought it back, they would all look a little bit different, right? My Mine's a, a Home Depot a rigid brand. It's the, the orange and black, and I like it because they have the replaceable batteries, if your battery dies, they just give you a new one. Uh, I hope. haven't had to use that yet. Um, so that's why, I got it. but we could all take a driller, a screwdriver, and they'd all do the same thing, even though they look a little different. And so if you're talking to a friend about Advent, they say, oh, no, you're wrong. It's, it's, it looks like this. Okay, there are some differences depending on which traditions you, you come out of, but it's simply a tool to celebrate and proclaim Jesus as we seek to remember, to rejoice, and refocus our attention on him. A couple different tools in this toolbox. First one is the Advent Calendar. Uh, this might be the one you're most familiar with. This might be the one you most look forward to because it typically involves chocolate. Um, I've seen a few others with, uh, you know, with all this, these uh, breweries popping up where they have the 24 days of Christmas in beer format. Uh, might be some other ones out there. But uh, basically, an Advent Calendar uh, goes through the, the last 24 days of Advent. So it always starts December 1st. And every day you open up, whether it's a little door or a little flap or a little pocket, whatever, they're all different kinds out there. If you're not sure what they look like, just go on to Pinterest, and I'm sure you'll find a bunch you can make. Um, but it has 24 days, and it ends on Christmas Eve. And whether it's just a little chocolate or, or has a, a reading you could do, uh, they all take a different perspective on that. But the, the overall heart of an Advent calendar is this building of anticipation. In the same way, on Christmas morning or Christmas Eve night, whenever you would typically open gifts uh, as a kid with your family, you had that anticipation, like, I can't wait until that moment. It's kind of setting the the start button on that. Okay, December 1st is here. Christmas is coming. Here's a chocolate. All right, December 2nd, it's coming. It's the starting, this anticipation. This reminder of there's, there's this amazing gift that we've been given that we're going to celebrate and proclaim, and it affix our hearts on Jesus. At least we can use it as a tool to that end. There's something called Advent candles, uh, or, or called an Advent wreath a lot of times. Um, this is where uh, each week of Advent you light one candle, And then you add one as the weeks go on. We have some up here. We're going to be doing that here in a moment. You'll notice that there's four purple with one slightly lighter and then one white. The white represents Christ. We light that on Christmas Eve. And again, this is just simply a tool to turn our focus towards Jesus. It's not something that we're commanded to do. It's something that we can use to help us celebrate and proclaim Jesus. It's a visual reminder that Jesus is the light of the world. And again, it, it begins that clock. It's this anticipation of, of the return of Jesus as we celebrate his first coming into this world. So we can use Advent calendars. We can use uh, Advent wreath or candles. Uh, Another tool in this toolbox of Advent are different devotionals that uh, various organizations and churches have put together. Uh, There there are a bunch out there. Uh, One that I would recommend uh, that this church has put together and has actually given uh, um, permission for other people to use. If You go to thevillagechurch.net, thevillagechurch.net. At the bottom, you know, a little bit, scroll down, you'll see they have a link uh, to an Advent devotional that you can take uh, yourself through, your family through. If you have a wife and kids, or maybe whoever you you know, if you have roommates you live with, you guys can do it as a small group. If you're in a small group or a home group and you want to go through that, it's the Village Church, thevillagechurch.net. And they have it uh, on their page. You can print it off or just do it right off of the computer. I have a lot of neat ideas of how we can walk through this season remembering, rejoicing, and refoc- refocusing our hearts on Jesus. And again, I'm kind of beating this horse here, but uh, these tools, are they're, they're, there's nothing holy or special about them, but they simply serve to fix our eyes on the one who is holy. And so the question I want each of us to think about here is what is our plan for this Advent season? As we set out to remember, rejoice, and refocus, what well, what is our individual plans? And maybe again, yeah, this might be the first time you have ever heard of Advent. Okay, so take this lunch after we're done here this morning. Talk about it with your family. Say, hey, what could we do this season to turn our eyes and our focus towards Jesus through the whole season, and not just have a, a one day? Okay, it's Christmas. Let's let's see family and celebrate and open presents. But have a season of proclaiming and celebrating Jesus. Understanding that it is a greater opportunity to engage our community and our culture with the truth of Jesus. So one of the things we're going to do here at Meadowland is we're going to light the Advent candles. Uh, so I'm going to light the first one here this morning, and then we're going to read from 1 John 1 through 5 uh, and 9 and 14. So we have the first Advent candle and read this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was a light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world, and the uh, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. I would encourage you to to find what is your plan. Is it something like this, having Advent candles in the home, having a calendar, or just walking your family through a devotion or some combination? But let us join together in remembering Christ this season. So what does each candle mean or represent? If we're going to go through Advent, we might want to unpack what they mean. And again, there are various different traditions on this. We're going to walk through one of the most common, which has the weeks being hope, peace, joy, and love are the different things we're focusing on as seen through the Christmas story. And so today we're going to talk about hope. Uh, next week, we're talking about peace, and I encourage you uh, to stay afterwards, or come back afterwards. That evening at 7 o'clock, we're having our annual ministry celebration. Uh, if you are a member, um, you get a chance to affirm the spending plan. If you're not a member, but still want to come and celebrate what God has done, and, and, and look forward to what uh, we feel God has planned for us in 2016, you are more than welcome to be there. That, that's t- that's next Sunday, the 6th, 7 o'clock here at the building. If you're not yet a member, but would like to become one, we have our membership class going on today, after service Um, as soon as we're done we'll head upstairs in the conference room and and as soon as we've all gathered we'll we'll go through that process go through that class and then we'll have lunch provided as well and so if you're not sure what your lunch plan is but you want to check out the membership class we'll have a few extra meals for that as well that is today after service and then in, in two weeks we're talking about joy December 13th, this is a family worship service. We'll have uh, kids in service with us. This will be an awesome Sunday. We'll also have our, our children's ministry and our youth ministry. Uh, we'll be having a significant part to do with the service. There'll be a special time together. They've been working hard, planning some stuff, filming some videos and, and putting some neat stuff together. And so I encourage you uh, to come out for that. That's December 13th. And then on December 20th, we'll talk about uh, the gift of love as we go into uh, the Christmas week. Uh, culminating on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, we have a candlelight service, 7 p.m. here at the barn on on Christmas Eve night. So these four things we're looking at, hope, peace, joy, and love, are things that accompany the very presence of God. If we are with God, no matter what the circumstances of your life are, no matter how hectic, no matter what is going on in God, Through Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can find hope, peace, joy, and love. So as I thought about this, I thought, well, what turmoil might be going on in our lives right now? Maybe for you it's health issues. Maybe it's not just health issues, but there's chronic health issues. Something that just continues to come back and just plague you or your family. Maybe some challenges that you're going through. Maybe it's things like joblessness or financial strife. Maybe just as we're on the verge of the season of gift-giving and receiving, maybe you enjoy that and we want to put some funds behind that, and then all of a sudden there's an unexpected expense that comes your way. It just kind of throws you off your game. It, throws you, it just throws you for a world when You're not sure how it's all going to play out. Maybe there's conflict in your relationships. Uh, maybe it's with your family. That's one one of the things we don't talk about too much, but something that happens around this time of year is uh, you just saw most likely some family around Thanksgiving and hey, it's going to happen again in a few weeks for Christmas and then there's New Year's. All these opportunities to see family. That may not always be a good thing for some people because there's conflict in their family. They don't uh, relate well with one another. Maybe there's conflict with your neighbors. And as you maybe have a close driveway with your neighbor and every time... It snows, there seems to be a little extra snow on your driveway because your neighbor gets out and shovels before you do. I, I don't know, but there's all kinds of conflict that be going on in, in our lives. Maybe it's just an internal conflict with yourself that has some turmoil. Where you, you look in the mirror and you have a hard time accepting what you see, you have a hard time saying, I, I have value and I have worth. You have a hard time uh, agreeing with God because God says you have value and that you have worth and that you're a beautiful creation of his. Maybe you're in a marriage that you feel like is heading for divorce. You're closer to divorce than you are to to joy and happiness in your marriage. Maybe your relationship with your kids has been fading. And as you see how little you know about them when it comes time to find a present or a gift for them, it it strikes you and you're like, man, maybe you're struck by this feeling of hopelessness. I, I don't know what your situation is. We all, I imagine, have something in our lives right now that just has thrown us off our game, has a sense of turmoil that leads us to a place of hopelessness. But there's good news here this morning, because when we seek God first, we can find hope. We can find peace, joy, and love in Him. And sometimes it's simply Internally. As we seek God, sometimes those things happen internally in our heart and our spirit while the world around us, our daily lives are still all kinds of crazy things we're having to deal with and wild things that are going on. Sometimes God works in and amongst those in a way that plays out, a way that we've been longing for. And our external circumstances change. And both people in that struggling marriage come to a place of humbling themselves before God and God redeems that marriage. Or both people in that relationship with conflict or whatever that unexpected expense was, all of a sudden you have an unexpected income that comes in thats just enough to meet that need. Sometimes God chooses to work in our external circumstances, and sometimes He doesn't, but He will always work internally. We can always find hope, peace, joy and love when we seek first God. When we seek God first. If you got your Bibles go ahead and open up the First Peter chapter one. That's where we're going to be here for the rest of our time here this morning. First Peter chapter one, verse one. Uh, I'm sorry, First Peter one, verse three through five is where we're going to spend our time here this morning. If you need a Bible, you can take one of the ones in the seats. Call that your own. If you know someone that needs one, take take one, two, however many need, and, and give those to them. we Will also be up on the screen as well. First Peter one. 3 through 5. If you want to go digital, that is awesome as well. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Before we kind of unpack hope, I think we need to clarify what it is. So this last week, I knew that Friday, you know, so two days ago, I was going to be spending some time in Wisconsin. That's where my in-laws are from, and they are die-hard Packer fans. Die-hard Packer fans. I'll pray for them every day about it. <laughs> um, Thursday night there was a big game, Bears-Packers game. Uh, Bears-Packers have played each other a lot. Uh, Bears fans, you know how it plays out. We don't have the best record recently when it comes up against the Packers. Uh, This was the very first time they ever played on Thanksgiving night. And so we had some other families. My dad was in town from Georgia. You'd think coming from the area, he'd be a Bears fan, but he's got this plan to move back to Wisconsin, which is awesome. He's going to be closer. We'll do some more stuff with him. But he's already adopted being a Packer fan as well. And so my wife is a Packer fan. Fortunately, I think I have my kids bought over. If I have to bribe them with candy, that's fine, whatever it takes. (laughs) Um, So I wasn't alone in rooting for the Bears. Um, But I didn't have... I didn't have high expectations. Love my team. I'm going to cheer for them. I'm going to root for them until the, the, till the, the, the game's over. Um, but I could say, I hope the Bears win. I hope the Bears win. There is all kinds of uncertainty in that statement, there's all kinds of things that could happen. I hope they win. I also know that whenever the Bears and Packers play each other, it doesn't matter what's been going on the rest of the season, it's whoever wants it more. I'm I'm, I'm convinced of that. There's enough of a rivalry, rivalry there, it's whoever wants it more. If you don't follow, if you didn't catch the game for whatever reason, spoiler alert the Bears won. And it was awesome. More awesome than that was Friday driving to Wisconsin. Where I wasn't just, out, you know, outnumbered by a few people. I was the only Bear fan. I, I didn't have to open my mouth. I, I just walked in with a smile, and everyone's getting mad at me because they knew they knew why I was a little extra happy. So to say, I hope the Bears win before they played the game. There's uncertainty there. It, it, it's more of a wish, right? It, it's more a, a, of a wish, wishing that I, I desire something to happen, but there's no foundation to stand on. You could say, oh, well, look at these past games where they won and they did some good things. Well, yeah, but look at these past games where they didn't even show up to play. That There was no solid foundation. So it was really more of a wish. I, I hope they do. I wish they do. But there's no certainty there. When we're talking about hope biblically. It's an expectation for the future that is rooted in the evidence of the past. There's an expectation for the future that is rooted in the evidence of the past. There is a a level of certainty when it comes to finding our hope in God. It all has to do with the fact that He is the foundation. When He is our foundation, hope is no longer a wish, but it's something that we can be certain of. Let me give you some examples. God's people found hope in Him throughout history from His proven character in the past. We can look back and see God's faithfulness to Abraham. Abraham was someone that God gave a promise to. He said, I will make a nation out of your offspring. He was old. He was married, but that old, was old and no kids. They assumed his wife was barren. And all of a sudden, it's this promise from God saying, you will have so much offspring that it will be a nation. His wife heard this news and laughed about it. Like, I, don't know, I don't know what God's talking about. It's not happening here. God gave him this promise. He gave a promise that he would give him a land to call his own, that he would lead him to it, and his his people would have a land to call their own. God gave Abraham a promise that through his line, all people will be blessed. And from this point in history, we can look back and see that God did that. That God created a nation out of the lineage of Abraham and Sarah. That is why we have modern-day Israel would trace their roots back to the line of Abraham. And that they even have a land. And while, yes, there has been an exchange of of, of hands at times, um, the people of God haven't always experienced peace. They went to the promised land, and God led them in battle, and they took the land for themselves. And then there's all kinds of stuff that goes throughout Israel's history where they lose it. They're exiled, they return, and this back and forth that continues even to this day. But God has provided a land for his people. And from this vantage point in history, knowing the story of Jesus, that he is the Savior, that he is the one that prophecies foretold, that he is God, and that through his death on the cross, his sacrifice, that we are forgiven of our sin, that anyone who trusts in him is forgiven, that yes, a blessing has come to all people. So we can see a promise that God has made and how he's fulfilled it. We can keep going uh, uh, beyond Abraham to Moses, where where God has uh, promised to rescue his people. And yet they're in bondage for hundreds of years and all of a sudden uh, they're slaves of Egypt. But God uses Moses to free his people and lead them into the promised land. And so again, we can see God's character. We can see what God has done God provides for his people. we also see this in the Psalms. Here's one place, Psalm 146, verse five through seven. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. So if your hope is in God, you're blessed. And here's, it kind of backs it up. This is a God, verse six, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. We can find our hope in God as we think of his attributes and his actions of the past. So how do we really root our hope in God? Well, the focus, uh, we talked about Advent is a heart of remembering, rejoicing, and refocusing. I want to kind of sit in that refocusing. Because where we are, Christ has already come, but he's promised to come again. And so we can celebrate the fact that he's already come. If we haven't received that for ourselves, we we can acknowledge, Jesus, I believe you're God. If you're at that point in your life, if you haven't made that step yet, say, Jesus, I believe you're God. I trust that that you paid the price for my sins. We can rejoice in that. And then we can turn our focus towards his return. So we root our hope in God. It has to do with us refocusing. So three things that I want to talk about real quick here, ways in which we can Refocus first one is this, it's not about what you do, but about what Jesus already did. To root our hope in God, it's not about what you do, but about what Jesus has already done. If you look at verse 3, we see that he has caused. This is something that Jesus has caused. It's by his work, it's not by our merit, it's not even by our ability that we are born again into this living hope. That comes through the power of the resurrection. And so when we embrace it, when we understand that there's a couple of things that happen. When we stop and say, okay, you're right, there's nothing that I can do to bring about my own forgiveness, right? I need to trust in Jesus for that. There's freedom in that. Because no longer is it, am I good enough? No longer is it, have I done enough? It's, have you trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of your sin? If so, you are forgiven. You are good with God. You say, well, Steve, that's too simple. That's too easy. There's more than that, right? Well, it begins a life of pursuing God. And that takes growth. And we continue to grow in that. But we never have to wonder or worry, am I doing enough? Because it's not our merit that brings salvation, but it's what Jesus has already done. And when we acknowledge that, that brings hope. Because I'll tell you, I'm a screw-up. There's ways in my life that I've messed up, even this this week, even today. When I got to church, there were people waiting outside because I I was running late. We all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. But but it's not about what we do, but what Jesus has already done. And that can be a a source for us to root our hope in God. It's not about our, our present situation here but about a promised security in heaven. We need to turn our focus off of present situations here and refocus on a promised security in heaven. Verse four, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. There's an inheritance, a promised security in eternity, in heaven with God, that when we trust in Jesus, it is guaranteed to us. And that that brings about such peace, that gives me such hope when we already know the end of the story. And I, I know there's a waiting process. The, the Israelites had to go through that, people got God had to go through that. In us here today, we wait for His return. And waiting is hard, but it is so much easier when we know the outcome, when we know the end of the story. Even if we don't know how long before it comes, we know, yes, it will come. There's an experiment I saw they did where they brought a kid into a room, sat him down at the table, put a plate in front of him, and put a big old fluffy marshmallow right in front of him. And they said, you can have this marshmallow. You can eat it, whatever you want to do. If you eat it, that's all you'll get. But I'm going to leave the room. When I come back, if you have not eaten your marshmallow, I'll give you a second marshmallow. And then the lady leaves the room and leaves the kid there to sweat it out. And they got a camera, of course, so you can watch what happens. And you got some of these kids, if here's the plate, I mean, they're just right there <laughs> trying to smell it and like trying to see, can I, can I get a little microscopic piece off that she won't? I mean, they are just hungry for this thing. But the majority of them were able to wait. No matter how much they, long, how much they wanted it now, they were able to wait because they knew the end. That They knew it. If I don't eat this now, I'll have a second one. And two marshmallows are better than one. If you disagree with me, let's bust out some hot chocolate and have a taste test. Two marshmallows are better than one is what these kids knew. And they knew how the story would end. And that gave them, most of them, the strength to wait. Because they knew that their hope was, had a firm foundation. Hey, this lady gave me one. She said she will give me a second. And she said she's coming back. I trust her. All right, I'm going to wait. How much greater can our hope be when we know that our, our foundation is in Jesus? So yes, waiting is hard, but we know the end of the story. 1 Peter 1.13 says this, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your hope on what you know is to come. Set your hope on what you know is to come when Jesus returns. Set your hope on the fact that we know our, secure, our, our, our future is secure in Christ, in heaven, for all eternity. So no matter how overwhelming your current situation is, the end is already decided. We had to go to Hebrews chapter 11, it's known as the Hall of Faith, and you see these different people who, who God did amazing things through, and, and they, they saw some of the promises of God play out in their life. And about halfway through, you get to hear some other people who didn't see firsthand, but they saw from a distance the promises of God play out. And so we may not see some of them in our lifetime. We can see how God freed his people from Egypt, but they were there for hundreds of years first. And so the timing may not always play out the way we want. Yes, waiting is hard. Uh, uh, Many died without receiving the promise and even went through suffering. But there's still the guarantee of a promised security in heaven. So it's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus has already done. It's not about a present situation here. It's about turning our focus to a promised security in heaven. Last, refocus. It's not about our ability to hope, but about God's ability to to deliver let us turn our focus off of our ability to hope hey steve i i, I don't do a good job at hoping I, i'm barely holding on here but it's about god's ability to deliver verse five who by god's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time it's god's power who guards this hope that we have this living hope Again, the Christian life is not based on what we do for ourselves. It's based on what God has already done. Let's go and live in that reality. Let's look back to what God has already done. The Israelites' hope was founded on knowing that God would deliver. They had promises like this, Isaiah 9, 6-7. through 7. For to us a child is born, this is before Christ had come. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. On his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of of peace. There will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. God is speaking through his prophet saying, except this time as people were were in captivity saying, hey, there's a savior who is coming. A child will be born, a son will be given. He will bring peace. There'll be no end of his government, of his rule, of his reign. There'll be no end of his peace. As we look back again and again and see what God has already delivered on This should embolden us at this place in time as we look ahead to Christ's return. When when, uh, the the context when 1 Peter 1 was written, um, it's written to these Christians who are having a hard time in their culture. Uh, The culture is not friendly to their faith that they don't mesh well. And so there's persecution going on. And and, and while um, we are a far cry from where we could be, uh, our culture, our society is beginning to walk that road where uh, a Christian faith is not friendly uh, to our society, that they, they don't mesh well, that there's a difference of here's what we should go do in life. So it's very likely that there's things that are be happening where we feel hopeless. We feel like hope is lost. So let me leave you at this. What, what do we do? When we're feeling like hope is lost, I want you to look both ways on your journey. We always talk about here at Meadowland life being a journey that no one should have to walk alone. Think about it with some turmoil, whatnot, as like a point you need to cross. I want you to look both ways, but not so much left and right. I want you to look back to what God has already done. I want you to look back to what God has already done in your life specifically. I was reminded of this as we were um, driving up to Wisconsin, my wife and I were just talking a little bit, and um, talking about just kind of what brought us here, and um, it's excited for the future, and what God has ahead, and sometimes that there's suffering that we'll go through, and it's hard to understand, we don't get it, but we can see that God is still delivered in the midst of that. So my wife at one point, about three years ago, was praying for a couple different things for our family. it was even for our, 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 even getting get, get down to specific things like uh for our home she, she would love to have uh, a space where i, I could have more uh, uh space to work on woodworking and some just different hobbies i like to do and she had all these things that she was praying for our family and um and then i found out i was getting laid off the campus that i was leading uh just financially we couldn't continue it we had to shut it down um i had three months to, to find a job and and um move my family to wherever that was going to be. And you get that call, and if you've never gone through that, I mean, it's just like your world is turned upside down. Maybe you had all these plans, and boom, everything is done. It's starting fresh, and you're not even sure where you're going next. I remember making that call to my wife and um, taking that day and, and talking about what that meant for our family, and it was hard. And yet that's what God used to bring us here to Meadowland. That's what God used to bring us, to the place where, where all these different specifics my wife was praying were met. And again, I'm not saying that every time we say, God, I'm, I'm longing for this, that he gives us exactly that. But I'm saying that I mean, that's a point in our story. We can look and say, yeah, God, God was faithful. Even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of turmoil, God showed himself powerful and led us to a place where he's using us in powerful ways because he is good. So look back to what God has already done in the history of his people. Look back to what God has already done in your life when you're feeling like all hope is lost. And then look ahead to what is promised. Christ's return is promised to us. Matthew 24, 36 uh, through 44. I'm actually going to skip some of the verses in there. uh, From 36, we'll go to 42. But concerning that day, referring to the day when Christ returns, an hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Verse 42. Therefore, stay awake For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known on what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must be ready. You you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. There's this promise that Jesus will return. We don't know when. Only the Father knows when. But let us be ready. So what does it look like? Let's hope in him. Uh, hope is expectantly waiting because our foundation is firm on jesus we place our hope in him and so we can long for jesus to come because we know he will so the last question i want us to ask ourselves is what do i currently find myself longing for where am i placing my hope am i placing my hope ultimately in jesus or am i placing it in something else when I found out I got laid off, I could have placed my hope in my own abilities and said, All right, well, I'm the man. I can figure this out. I can, I can you know, find here's other ways to support my family and, and, you know, get a job this way or that way. But I put my hope in Jesus. I said, Lead me in this. Guide me in this. And I humbled myself. Because a foundation of myself is going to be shaken, a foundation of God is solid. Maybe we put our hope in our wealth and our possessions and our reputation. Or in our relationships. These are all weak foundations that will just lead us to simple wishes because they won't hold up at one point or another. So let's place our hope as we expectantly wait on Jesus. I want to leave you with the, the lyrics from the song we started this morning with, Come thou long expected Jesus. While simple, I think these, these lyrics are just so profound, especially as we talk about the hope that we have in Jesus. Read along with me. You can read to yourself. Come, thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth, thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thy own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. These are words that are based on scripture. We can put our hope and trust in Jesus because he is a firm foundation. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for the foundation that we have in Jesus. We thank you that despite the turmoil of this world, despite the challenges we're going through right now, um, no matter how upside down our world feels, that we can still place our hope in you, being with you that we'll find peace and joy and love. We thank you, Father. We know how the story ends that when we trust in you for the forgiveness of our sins, that our eternity is sealed uh, in heaven with you, Father. We thank you that it's your merit, that it's your power, that's your strength that takes care of that. Because we are weak. And so as we enter into this Advent season, Father God, let us proclaim you to our, our community. Let us celebrate what we already have seen and witnessed. That Jesus came as a child, as an infant, as a baby, dependent on a mother and grew and walked a life in our shoes. That God, you came to us. That Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. We thank you that you laid down your life on the cross, Jesus, as a payment for our mistakes, for our sins, so that when we trust in you, that we when we acknowledge that you are God and humble ourselves, we are forgiven. We begin a relationship with you that lasts for all eternity. As we seek to continue to grow in that knowledge of who you are, Jesus, help us to keep our feet firmly planted in the hope that is you as we longingly Expectantly await you to come again and to live in eternity with you. Praise all in your name. Amen.